Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. State Senator Rob Ort, he is the minority leader in the Senate, and he is with us right now. Uh, Senator, good morning. Good morning, Joe. Now, Rob, there's so much to look into in this budget. I want to go first to where a lot of the focus has been even before the budget came out. And, you know, before we saw parts of this budget, a lot of questions were just being refused to be answered. And that is with the gas ban. Well, we finally have the years, uh, 2025 for small bills, 2028. um, And it seems to be everything that we had been hearing now in writing. How are you taking this? Yeah, so it's you're right. This was the one thing that was kind of leaked out. Um, I certainly was not shy. A lot of folks were not shy about uh, being critical of this proposal. Uh, We didn't have a lot of uh, uh, hard answers. Uh, If you look at the final proposal, it's everything that we thought, but she she carved out or exempted at least from the ban the stoves, right? So I, I think, you know, certainly gas stoves. I mentioned stoves. A lot of people did. Uh, it was not limited to stoves. It includes gas fireplaces. It includes gas furnaces, boilers, you know, hot water tanks, what have you. Uh, she seemed to to fixate on the stove and thought if she could just eliminate or carve out stoves, that somehow this would be more palatable for people or or more uh, a better policy. It, it, it still is a horrible policy because all the other issues, first of all, uh, are still in play. What, who's going to pay for this? How much is it going to cost? Our grid, uh, the electric grid currently uh, is, is strained under the current load. Uh, this is going to increase uh, that load on the grid. There's not a lot of discussion about investment in the grid and how it's going to be able to handle it. Uh, the cost of people's utility bills. Uh, ultimately, how does someone heat their home, right? I mean, that, having a natural gas stove is great, but a lot of people use natural gas or propane to actually heat their home, especially in the cold months, especially in storms. And ultimately, and this is coming from even the folks who support this plan. Ultimately, even though the gas stove isn't banned, eventually you'll just get to a point where it, it won't be um, economical and it won't be uh, uh, practical to have a gas range in your home because it'll be so expensive because you won't have anything else that's gas in your home. Right? You'll have to electrify your house, uh, you know, where you know your furnace, your 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 hot water tank. Uh, ever, your dryer. So the only thing left would be the stove. So at that point, you're just not going to be able to service the stove or even maybe even purchase a gas range in the state of New York. So it's sort of a ban ultimately without the ban as it relates to the stoves. But all the other points 
all the other problems with her proposal um, are still there uh, with this um, with this plan that she rolled out in her in her budget address. I, I thought it was interesting because we had talked about you know 2030 for um, you couldn't purchase. Um, appliances that was the thought before the the budget but the way it's worded now is that you can't install fossil fuel heating equipment after 2030 so no matter if you go to pennsylvania and buy it it is a ban on actually having someone come and install a fossil fuel heating equipment that's correct so unless you're going to do it yourself which most people are not going to be able to uh you're, you're right you could go and buy it somewhere else you will not be no one in the state of new york is going to install it, um, and 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 obviously with with new builds and and, and new construction, um, it, it'll be fully electrified anyways. That that home, uh, and then obviously commercial uh, uh, buildings, you know, in twenty twenty eight, they'll be fully electrified. And so this is good. The point is really to remove New York for for those on the far you know, on the environmental side, the far left side. They want to remove New York from the marketplace. For natural gas, uh, that's what this is sort of derived at doing. It's trying to to cripple the natural gas industry by removing New York as a potential consumer. We we don't have you know we don't drill for natural gas here. Obviously in New York State that was banned several years ago. Uh, they they've done everything to, to stop the construction of new pipelines which would deliver natural gas through New York in some cases, not only to New York but through it. So they've done all those things. This is sort of the last piece that they can do, which is removing New York consumers, you know, millions and millions of, of customers from the marketplace in an effort to really cripple the natural gas industry a- across the country. You know, I've had Republicans and Democrats on here talk, talk about the, um, the strain on the grid with all this extra electricity. Now, obviously, that won't be, you know, the day it goes into effect. But after sure. people have to replace their fossil fuel heating systems, replace their appliances, has the grid been addressed? I mean, as it sits right now, and this isn't me talking, these are the experts talking, we just don't have that capacity um, to change all these things over to electricity. This might be the, you know, this might be the most significant piece uh, of this discussion, um, is what you just said, Joe. Is the, do we even have the capacity to do it? So forgetting the fact of, you know, whether you think it's a good idea or not, um, and all the details of rolling it out, do we have the capacity to do the thing that is being proposed? And when you talk to people, including folks who are on the electric side, right? These are people who, in theory are going to benefit. They're going to pick up more customers. They're going to pick up more, you know, more revenue. But do they have the ability to actually deliver the power in a reliable way? I think that's another key point here is reliability. Because when you're in an emergency, when you're going, you know, when you're at a moment when you need power, you want to know that you have that reliability to deliver um, um, power in an efficient and affordable way. I would argue that right now today, there's absolutely no evidence to suggest. In fact, there's evidence to suggest the, the, the opposite, which is that we don't have the ability to deliver the, the, the power in a reliable and affordable way. The grid right now is strained under uh, the use that it's getting today, let alone if you increase the load. Um, we're already importing power from, talking about importing, importing power from Quebec. We're importing power from Pennsylvania, from New Jersey. So this is, and we're doing that because we don't have the capacity to deliver the power today 
on our electric grid to places like New York City and other parts of New York State. So increasing the load, I'm concerned is going to cause blackouts, brownouts. Um, it's going to over, you know, overcharge the, the grid, if you would. And then also, what is the, what is the increased cost? Because we're going to have to make investments now, obviously, to the grid, which we should have been doing already, and we're not. And I didn't hear any plan from the governor about that. What is the plan to increase uh, infrastructure investment to make sure the grid can handle uh, that increased load uh, so that when you're in the middle of a blizzard and you have power outages, like we did, what is the alternative backup now for people? Because now they don't have a natural gas uh, furnace or a propane heating system or a natural gas fireplace. They don't, they're not going to have those. And many of those folks are not going to have even natural gas stoves to boil water. That's the hard reality here. So, you know, when you're in an emergency, there is no bad energy. I don't care if it's natural gas, hydro, electric, solar, wind, nuclear. We need to have a diverse energy portfolio, not limiting ourselves. And that is exactly what the governor's proposal is doing. Do you see this slowing down at all? I mean, we have these uh, these dates in place, 2025 for uh, small builds, 2028 for big builds, 2030 and 2035, uh, respectively, for the houses and buildings that are already there. Do you see any chance of this slowing down, like getting to 2035 or 2025 and maybe a delay being put in? It's Well, there's a couple of possibilities for changes in a slowdown. Obviously, this needs to be negotiated as part of a final budget. Now, I'm not going to give, uh, I'm not going to hold my breath uh, regarding my colleagues on the Democratic side in the Senate and the Assembly. Quite frankly, some of them probably would have put forward an even more aggressive plan than what the governor has put forward. Um, but I think it's the gas stove piece is important when, when, when you talk about slowing this down or making changes. Absent the, the backlash that I think the governor saw uh, as it related, at least, to the stoves and, and the fact that that just kept coming up and coming up, absent, you know, a lot of elected officials and, 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 and the public reacting the way they did to that, I think the gas stove would absolutely be in here. It, there would be no exception. There'd be no carve out. There'd be no, it wasn't like when she drew this up, she thought we got to do everything but the gas stove because that was never, that was not the case. It was the public outcry, the public backlash. Uh, and so, you know, it's a small victory. It might be a temporary victory, but it shows you that, you know, when the public responds and reacts. So I think it's important that the public continue to reach out to their electeds, both in the Senate and the Assembly, because that's where this moves now. It moves. She's put forward her budget, and now the Senate and the Assembly are going to get their crack at it. So I think it's important that people reach out to, you know, their senator, whether it be Sean Ryan, their assemblyman, whether it be John Rivera, who's actually come out in support of this. And they need to let those members and others know this is a bad idea. This is bad from a public safety standpoint. It's bad. It, it does not advance our energy goals. Getting rid of someone's gas furnace is not going to have some uh, significant effect on the, 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 you know, the, the rising tides and the ocean. It's not going to have a, an impact on what's going on in China, in, in South America. Uh, all it's going to do is make energy more, afford, more expensive and less reliable uh, here in the state of New York. So that's where I think we're going to go. And then who knows if there's any uh, legal action taken, depending on what comes of this uh, ultimately. But um, I believe it's going to have a negative impact if it's in enacted as she has drawn it up.
And I, I know I know we uh, this will not be the last we speak of that. But going through the uh, the budget, uh, bail reform was also mentioned. And there is this part here that gives judges more discretion to set bail by removing a least restrictive standard they must apply for certain offenses. Uh, where where do you see the reform of the bail reform as proposed right now? Yeah, you know, this is, here we are again talking about tweaking. Uh, really what has been a disastrous law. It's been a disaster from a public policy standpoint, Joe. It's also been a disaster from a political standpoint. That, that's why the governor uh, is putting this forward. I mean, Nancy Pelosi, I never thought I would, I never thought personally I would say that I ever agreed with something that Nancy Pelosi put forward. But the former speaker said that in New York, they lost the House of Representatives almost exclusively around the issue of crime. And, 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 and the governor uh, and a lot of other Democrats uh, running last year didn't seem to understand it until it was too late. And so I think that, you know, the governor uh, is putting forward this 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 uh, change. It's certainly a, I'm not going to say it's not a positive step or a step in the right direction. Getting rid of that language is important, um, but we need to do more than that. And my concern is, as this is a negotiation between the governor and the state legislature, the state legislature are the ones who drove this this policy change. They're the ones who enacted cashless bail, right? So my colleagues in the Senate and the Assembly, they are the ones who supported this. This was not an executive-driven policy change. It was driven by Democrats in the Senate and in the Assembly. And my concern is the governor's, if this is her only suggested change, I don't think my colleagues are going are gonna to accept that. They, they want to make no changes. They want to go further. And so I'm concerned about I would have liked to have seen a far more aggressive rollback from the governor in the hopes that maybe when, the, when we negotiate the budget, we get to at least something that, that, that makes our community safer, gives judges more discretion, allows them to set a dangerousness standard and precedent, which 49 other states have. We're the only state in America that does not allow judges to consider the dangerousness of the, of the person in front of them, uh, you know, whether it's their criminal history, how many times they've been arrested the crime they're being uh, charged allegedly for, none of that is in there. So I, I'm, I'm concerned that the governor, if she's not willing to really lean in and invest in political capital, and we've seen that the Senate Democrats at least have, have been willing to really buck her and push back, uh, I'm concerned that she gets any movement on this in the final budget. But certainly what she's proposed, while a good step, is not nearly far enough. Now, obviously, the uh, the gas ban and the bail reform get the highlights, but out of this $227 billion budget, where do you see something else that might need to get a little more attention that's not getting it because of the two things we mentioned? Sure. Uh, well, two, two, two areas, I think. One is this, she has proposed um, in the aggregate, you know, the, the budget's going to be $224 billion. That, that's a $50 billion increase since uh, three years ago, you know, two, two, well, three, I guess three to be the third year. In three years, $50 billion increase. Our budget is larger than Texas and Florida combined, and those states have more people and probably eventually going to have more New Yorkers than we do. Uh, and so I, I just think that number is so staggering. But I think the, the state is proposing to intercept. Um, Medicaid dollars, federal Medicaid dollars that are currently going to counties, by intercepting those dollars, meaning they're going to take them, the state is, 
the counties would be left upstate, outside of New York City, outside of Long Island, the impact would be a $281 billion hit to, to our counties. So that's, that's going to be made up by taxpayers in all the counties. That includes Erie, Niagara, Orleans, Wyoming, Genesee, you name it. That is not getting enough attention because I don't think a lot of people understand how those dollars actually flow. But your county, under the governor's proposal, will be taking a significant hit that will have to be made up when your county does their budget next year. Uh, and that's going to be made up by tax, taxpayers if, if, if the state continues on its plan. So that's a real problem for county governments. I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican, you're going to have to make up that hole if that if this plan stands. Um, and then I think the, the other piece is, is the, the, uh, the, the housing piece. Uh, the governor's pushing, you know, more, more the, the construction and building of more affordable housing, um, sup- and it would supersede any local zoning laws. This is, to me, another power grab by the state government to determine uh, what they want, where they want to build homes, even in places that are losing population, uh, mandating the construction of new homes, uh, even in communities that have the zoning laws that protect the, 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 the character of those communities. Uh, so that, that, to me, is a real problem, probably more downstate than upstate, but that's going to be a major issue uh, as well. But I think those, the housing piece and the, the state, uh, the budget, uh, intercepting those, those Medicaid dollars are going to ultimately, if that goes through, it's going to increase taxes on, lo- you know, on New Yorkers, even though it's not a New York state-driven tax, it'll have to be a county-driven tax because they're intercepting those dollars and creating real havoc in county budgets. And uh, where do we go from here? So it's a proposal now. When do we see the debate and the vote on this budget? So you're going to have um, the, the budget hearings, though that has been published over the next, uh, I'd say over the next month, so through, certainly through February, probably into early March, uh, the Senate and the Assembly uh, will have budget hearings, uh, joint budget hearings, where all the different uh, commissioners uh, and executive agency heads will come in, uh, and they'll they'll get grilled by both Senate uh, Democrats, uh, Senate Republicans, Assembly Democrats, Assembly Republicans, uh, and ultimately both houses will put forward what's known as their one-house budgets. That'll probably be before St. Patrick's Day. So let's say March 12th or somewhere in there. That is not, that date has not been selected yet, but that's usually when each house puts forward their one-house budget. And then that's their markers when they negotiate then with the governor. And so then the negotiations you know, pretty much uh, continue on into March. Um, sometimes there's announcements of deals. Sometimes there's not. Um, we'll see, because obviously the relationship right now between the legislature and the governor is, is uh, you know, probably not going, it's not starting off on a great point early on uh, as a result of the judicial nomination uh, that just recently happened. So we'll see where that goes, but the budget has to be adopted by April 1st by law, or it's late. And, uh, you know, the, this is obviously Governor Hochul's first real budget uh, as the elected governor of New York. And so uh, I know governors like to put forward on-time budgets. There's a lot of reason why it should be on time. There's a lot of people who depend on that on-time budget and those numbers. Uh, And so we'll see where that goes. But we are really kind of just at the beginning of this process, Joe. Uh, And, uh, you know, over the next two months uh, is when it's going to get, you know, the negotiations and uh, uh, the proposals will really get torn apart. 
and we'll see where we end up. But April 1st is the, that's the date that we have to get a, a budget adopted by here in New York. One final question. I know I've gone a little longer than I said, and this is a non-budget um, related question, but I just saw this in the Times Union. It's from five days ago uh, that New York State will fund former Governor Cuomo's private counsel in, uh, in the Trooper One lawsuit. What are your thoughts on that? I don't know what the um, what legal requirements or not, uh, you know, are, are are at play here. I, I can't believe that we would fund uh, anything to do with his legal defense. Um, I, I think it's it, the idea that taxpayers are, would be on the hook. Taxpayers, not Governor Cuomo, not his campaign, the public. Um, over this, over a, a disgraced a governor who resigned in disgrace. Uh, we all know, you know, I'm not going to re- go back through that again, but the fact that uh, the New York State taxpayers are on the hook for that is just one example in 224 billion of them uh, of, of a poor use of taxpayer dollars. And it's why so many New Yorkers have such a low opinion of their state government. And it's probably why a, a lot of them have chosen to leave and seek uh, opportunity and residency in other states. Minority Leader Rob Orr, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Thanks, Joe. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 